Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. It's BudPod194. 194. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> it's Christmas time, sort of. That's in a, good. In a few days. That's like Posh Father Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho. That's ho, ho. I think it'd be like ho. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho. Oh, my God. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Murray, Murray Christmas. Uh, ho 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 <laughs> and to all the good nord <laughs> when did posh london ladies become like because i associate now with australia this is it well i think there was in the noughties well first came the um it's upswing it's called the ending sentences uh, ending sentences like they're a question and yeah talking like this that became time? like a yeah, that was a Valley Girl thing, California thing, but I think it originated in Australia. Then yeah. fire, sort of Valley Girls, and then, and then it hit uh, the UK, and maybe it, I guess it became a cool way to speak, speak. Yeah, for a while, and I think that maybe maybe the Australian influence came in through that. because uh, it invites validation, doesn't it? Because you're 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 creating a sort of Darren Brown question in everything you say, so the other person has to go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and it's uh, I suppose it, it the appeal is that it sounds like you aren't putting much effort in, or you, that you're not really interested in what's going on, or that you, you sort of have more important things to think about and more important places to be or that you're sort so of that's which is like vocal fry right that kind of like i'm you know, like i'm I, I bored. Really uh, yeah yeah it, it's that it seems, but, i think it's a ver- it's a british version of that right it's, no it's no. that but the <laughs> but the question thing as well is also like um i'm i'm socially forcing you to agree with what i'm saying about susan it just it just feels <laughs> right, like okay. she's been a real bitch recently and you have something you're making the other person go uh-huh uh-huh yes you're you're correct. You're you're <laughs> right about that. Well done. Right. Yeah. You're you're compelling people to to agree with you just to keep the conversation going. Yeah. Out of out of sheer fear that you'll you'll go. It just feels like sometimes popcorn's not the right treat, and then you'll won't say anything, and then they'll just stop talking. <laughs> but yes, this is our, the last. Pod, uh, bud pod before the Christmas time. Mistletoe is fine. <laughs> Drinking wine. Have a nice time. Yeah, that's as right. As the old Christmas carol goes. Yeah, don't forget um, Pickles, Stored, and Brine. Pickles, Stored, and Brine. Eating lots of limes. Mm-hmm. And a sour Christmas. A sour, tangy Christmas. <laughs> an acidic Christmas. Are you going back to the island? I will return to my island home. But not yet. Not yet. Soon. Will you you return on a on a longboat? And like there's this horns going boom. 
like that as you approach the shore. <laughs> when I go back to the island for Christmas, it's the opening scene from The Norseman. Yes. Basically. People running through muddy sort of semi-streets. Yeah. Little children running giddily to meet you at the shore. <laughs> He's coming! He's coming! Oh, and you're stood on the helm. The helm? The ba- not the bow, the stern of the ship. Yes. I wish it was like that, as opposed to just a, a prop plane. <laughs> By prop plane, you mean like a not a real plane, the sort of fake plane they use in movies? Oh, no, it's a real plane, but it's filled with sort of like rubber chickens and uh, whoopee cushions. <laughs> and it's a very silly flight. It's with silly airlines. <laughs> Thank you for flying with silly air. Um. (laughs) 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 The life jackets are under your seat, and then they take one up, and it's like a like it does a fart, and (laughs) and when the propeller starts up, they go whacka 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 whacka. Yeah, and if the the air stewards the stewards come up and down the aisle with a trolley and they go nuts and you go sure and they go they hand it to you but they go you're nuts like you're crazy that's <laughs> yeah, a fun joke for them. Uh, are you returning, uh, all- Phil, to the historic sound- town of Bath, or are you are you returning further afield to East Asia? I'm I'm going back to Malaysia for the first time since COVID. I'm going Ooh. to Borneo. Lovely. Um, which I was about to say, you know, leaving this island for a smaller island. But of course, Borneo is a much bigger island. It's the third largest island in the world. Is that right? Yeah. Because you... Greenland. Oh. Um, what's, I think the biggest is Greenland and second is... Is it New Guinea or Guinea? Could be. I can't remember now. And then third is... Um, that is Borneo. Because you, you, you see Borneo on a map, but it's always next to the rest of Malaysia, so it never looks that big. Yeah. It's also, so, so, um, it's also very close to Australia, so it looks oh, tiny. Yeah, that's America. a big island. Yeah. Borneo size. Um, I don't want to fat shame Borneo. <laughs> it's twice well, the size of Germany. What the fuck? Is it really? Good God! Three times bigger than the UK. You've got to start dropping that on stage. People will lose their nut. Do you think? Yeah, because I think when you say you're from Borneo, people are imagining like a desert island from a newspaper cartoon with you and an orangutan on it. Yeah. I was right. Yes, New Guinea is the second largest. Damn. And Borneo's got the bronze, baby. And then it's Madagascar. Yeah. And then it's an island called Baffin. Baffin Island. This island in Canada. Yeah, <clears throat> located north of, in the northern bit of Canada. I'm and a, Sumatra is sixth. I'm astonished, though, because, like... Yeah, I'm, a, I, I'm, I'm absolutely astonished. That's so... That's so big. Yeah, Great Britain is only ninth biggest island in the world. Top ten, baby. Yeah, we made it. We made it. What do you well, I, I, uh, my homes, my two homes are the are are both in the top ten largest islands in the world. <laughs> Look at me, <laughs> island man. Um, Phil, what are you most looking forward to about a very Borneo Christmas? <laughs> I'm looking forward to the food as always, mm-hmm. and seeing my family. I guess yawn. 
Um, <laughs> but I, I haven't I haven't seen them since the before times. The last yeah. time I saw them, there were no masks, there were no uh, uh, vaccines, and there was no lockdown culture. This is the, what I'm interested to see is you know what's different about it because you know how after COVID, even the countries that have gone back to normal, everywhere still has this subtle like covid fingerprint right on everything yeah the leftovers the leftovers mask signs the leftover keep your distance stickers on the floor yes yeah um and so everywhere has still has this sort of dull din of covid still in the background and i've never i've not been to malaysia with that in the background yes i've seen it like that well is it not i i mean it, I pre- would presume it's stricter still. Uh, they were stricter for longer than we were, but now I don't. I don't think there are any rules now. I think uh. they finally dropped the rules. Yeah, but they they did have them for a long time. Are you going to fly in a mask? Oh, I don't know if there. If, oh gosh, that's a good question. I don't know if it's a requirement. But would you? Would you choose to? Or would you just go oh, fuck it? Fly in a mask? No. Yeah. I saw a thing. You know, it, it's not. The the air circulation in planes is actually pretty good, um, so I I don't think it's you're actually in particular danger. And if the person next to you has it, I don't think a mask is gonna help really. Yeah, that's true. You're on there for like thirteen <clears throat> hours or whatever. Uh, yeah. So it'll be it's a it's a long flight. I'm not so looking forward to it. It's sooner than I thought. It's on a Wednesday. Yeah, man. I'm when this be comes in the out, sky for like. 20 hours yeah when you guys oh, are yeah, listening probably, yeah, to this today when you hear this yeah when yeah, you hear this right. phil is in a tube of farts being fired towards asia far tube in the sky carrying lots of gals and guys <laughs> pooping in the sky and far into <laughs> you're sharing a plane with food and it's true that's very nice it's that's true Just beautiful thank you christmas traveling song that could be the, <laughs> that, that could be the new driving uh, home for christmas um <laughs> pooping home for christmas <laughs> and i'll see those stinky faces but what are you going to eat on a, a hot jungly christmas day well mum mum has always made a full like british christmas dinner so she'll get she'll get a turkey she'll make snails as i may have said before because of our yes. french side we always start with snails and turkey and bacon and all the all the normal stuff but like made in hot humid climate oh god it, it feels a bit mad actually yeah now we look back on it it'll, it'll feel fucking mad but that'll be on christmas day and mum will miraculously put that together for 30 fucking people or however big my Malaysian family is and and then the next day we're having like a Chinesey style potluck where all the aunties are bringing over like trays of battered prawns and stir fried veg nice. and rice and noodles yeah but now yeah do you <laughs> do your Malaysian family find the Christmas day meal to be mental as well is it like an insane like they're just like what is this combination of things the first time mum made it for everyone, they were like, what the fuck is this? And they just sort of pushed it around the, the tray. Especially like the older generation were like, uh-huh, just sort of politely like, uh-huh. snails, is it? Oh, with butter? 
okay and like trifle they're like what the fuck is is uh what is egg and it's like an egg and a cake and it's wet it goes it goes back to your wet 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 uh, yeah yeah but what about the chicken and gravy and potatoes though yeah they thought that was weird i think like having everything separated because asian food is like rice and noodles and you put the protein and the sauce on top and it all becomes part of a big sort of pot mess but to keep but like uh, the whole thing about roses like they're all separate right they're all yeah they all have their own territories on the plate and you you the only meat in your mouth um, <laughs> so i think that took them a while to get used to but especially because of my generation my cousins and stuff because they weren't as used to a particular type of eating when we started they they got into it really enthusiastically and they they love the snails and they love the trifle and then eventually the whole family like <coughs> really got into it but yeah it was an uphill struggle for mum in those early years i'm sure were, were your cousins being uh like uh <laughs> like a reversal of the stereotype in the west where they're like oh my god it's just like this authentic english food you know? <laughs> and there's like a special way you have to eat it you know yeah, so we go to this amazing supper club. It's like this white lady is in, just in her house. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah. She... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's potatoes that she's like peeled herself, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so like it's, a, yeah, so. I mean, in the same way that sort of Asian food has become less alien here. Yeah. That kind of Western food has become less alien there over time yeah I, th- I think you can track it uh on a graph as my 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 personal excitement when i see a wagamama's yes it's in the f- it's, as in, it's on the floor now it's, it doesn't even register yeah it really is i mean it's amazing we've got to a point now in british culture where british people white british people who've only ever lived in the uk go oh, i don't really like wagamama's <laughs> it's not it's not very authentic it's not very good yeah and like we've got to that we've got to that point in what 10 years or something it's it's quite extraordinary if that i mean when i see a wagamama's now it's like seeing a tk max <laughs> same feeling yeah oh there's a bunch of stuff in there yeah. but it's probably not very good <laughs> <laughs> it'll do the job but uh yeah if i feel like a missed opportunity afterwards yeah i'm not rushing in like uh the kid from home alone when he's in new york or something <laughs> i'm not delighted <laughs> Have you seen those posts? I think the Instagram posts by Jack Grealish, the English super substitute. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's gone. He's a huge Home Alone fan and he's been going around New York because the England's been kicked out of the World Cup. He's been he's gone on holiday to New York and he's just taking photos of places that were featured in Home Alone 2. And he's so excited. Yeah, I saw that. It's sort of the, the childlike delight. I mean, how old is he? I can't because with the footballers, they're either sort of 18 or, or, or surprisingly old, it seems. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they're like 30, 39 and they look 86 or something. Yeah, they've run all their youth out of their body somehow. Huh. Yeah, Jack Grealish, I mean, he looks like a little boy. He's got that Kira Knightley headband. Oh, he yeah. Only, he only, because he's only ever brought on as a substitute late in the game to sort of inject a little energy. Yeah. It's like someone's given his son a, a go. <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> did you watch the final Sh- last night Shamef- you- shamefully i did shamefully i did you did there you go there you go isn't it is 
I hate to say, a spectacular game. It was so fun. It was very, it was like a game uh, written by the Game of Thrones people. Yeah. I mean, it was France were basically absent for the first, what, 60 minutes? And Argentina were just 2-0 up. Yeah. They were just walking away with it. And then France scored two goals in like a minute and a half of each other. Yeah, I mean, for the first chunk, like you say, France was uh, smoking. They were making little croissants. (laughs) (laughs) They were protesting, burning tractors and stuff. And then, yeah, they showed up. And then they showed up, and yeah, they showed up hard. It was so exciting. Fucking hell. Um, uh, But I'm glad Argentina won. Spoilers. I'm glad Argentina (laughs) won. Are you? Yeah, I am because it's nice because it's Lionel Lionel Messi's last World Cup. That's and... true. Compassionate win. Yeah, although they were diving, man, they were diving. They they made France look like England. They played they so sort of. <laughs> yeah, diving. They did. Uh, they did. I don't know. I was I was, I was sort of like, well, the French are annoying, but Messi's old. But but France are, I I didn't invade us recently, but the Argentinians didn't knock us out. That was my thinking. <laughs> right, but what about, what about the Falklands? How does that fi- factor in? That's what I mean. Like that's what I said. Like France hasn't invaded us recently, but Argentina has. So I was like, hmm. right, okay, okay, right. I see, I see, I see. And and the their football but, fans are a bunch of lunatic fascists often as well. So which ones? Argentina. Is it? Yeah, they had a lot of like ultra football uh, hooligan gangs that were used as kind of paramilitaries, and it was a wow. fascist country for a long time. Argentina. There's a reason they have so many German surnames, you know. Uh, German surnames and I found this out Scottish surnames yes. because the, a lot of Scots went over and one of the players for Argentina is called McAllister yeah. it's so weird a lot of the and he's brilliant yeah. and he looks Scottish a lot of he the, looks um, really Scottish a lot of the South American states had very pivotal Scottish or Irish uh, sort of um, people in the, in the independence movements and stuff or, or in big landowners. So you'll find this guy who's like, looks like the most South American guy ever with a sort of fantastic mustache. And he's like, owns a, a cattle ranch. And he's called like, Jose Rodriguez de Cabrera de McEwen. And you're like, what? What the hell? <laughs> yeah. I generally did, made a, did like a double take when, when is McAllister? What? For Argentina. <laughs> now, um, what do you think, Phil, of Twitter, uh, especially African Twitter, sometimes likes to refer to the French team as an African team? Yeah, well, I mean, it was, it is striking. Um, not just that how many uh, players in the France team are black, but how many have African surnames. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, I mean, it's a very, very blank team. Well, it's difficult, isn't it? Because, say, Mbappe was born in, and raised in Paris. Um, mm. And the idea of calling a bunch of black people who were born and raised in a European country Africans is normally the preserve of white racists. Right, yeah. So it's a bit... Fu- it's a bit yeah. I found it slightly jarring to see a bunch of Africans being like, no, they want an ours. And you go, oh, you guys wouldn't like oh, to right, meet the so- Westerners who agree with you. <laughs> so, yeah, right, so Africans on African Twitter, they're sort of trying to claim... French success is sort of partly their success because of how many yes, yeah. descent. Well, they're sort of tongue-in-cheek saying like, uh, oh, oh like when Morocco or whatever gets knocked out, just, they're tweeting a picture of the French team being like, oh, there's still one African team in play. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which, you know, is funny. Yeah, I think if it's sort of tongue-in... It's quite funny. It's, yeah, it's sort of tongue-in-cheek. It's funny, but it's the sort of thing that you could also like very easily find on Nick Griffin's Twitter. 
It's true, isn't it? Yeah, that is funny. So you go, oh, well, is it... Oh, it's so the context is like... I've never seen context be more vital for a sentiment. <laughs> I, it is... Yeah, yeah, the context is different. And also the the intention is different. Because when, when a Nick Griffin figure says something like that, the, the insinuation is the French team is African and they, should, so they shouldn't be there. Yeah, and it's, Whereas, he wants to create shame. Yeah, whereas the African, <clears throat> the Africans who are on board are like, oh look at how well these African, the Af- this African, these African descent players in France are doing. Oh, yes, I mean the insinuation is different, isn't it? Yeah, it's um, but yeah, like you say, it is. Yeah, it is striking. I mean, I yeah, maybe that. Yeah, I don't know. I found myself fifty-one percent kind of rooting for France just because I find I don't know. I always found Argentina quite an annoying country for no reason. I love their beef, though. Yeah, all the all the diving is bad. I mean, you can when if whenever an Argentinian player got like clipped gently, you could hear the scream, like through the TV. Yeah, I don't even know what Mike what Mike is even picking that up. The scream mic, but you can hear the sc- yeah. They've all got the lapel mics. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, like they're being interviewed. <laughs> but I mean, it got to the point where Argentina was they were they were falling over so much they ended up like messing up their own runs because like someone would get slightly clipped and scream and fall to the ground when me and all Messi would pick up the ball and start an amazing run but then because the last guy had screamed so much the referee blew the whistle and stopped stopped the play and so they ended yeah. up like almost <clears throat> damaging their own chances that's what i screaming that's what i don't like about football is that there's a game within a game that tends to be more mm. effective than football but i kind of i used to find i used to really hate it but now i kind of appreciate it for what it is because it's kind of like poker, right? It's the bluffing element of a football is the diving and the trying to get fouled. And, you know, there's almost an art to it. Like the first penalty that Argentina got, the 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 commentators were saying, it's Di Maria who, who was taken down by, I think, Dembele. And, and the, the commentary team was saying it was a really soft challenge. Like he didn't really do enough to bring him down, but... It was right that Dembele got punished for being so silly in that context because you know that you're doing something slight will probably get you a, a penalty. Yeah, and so like there's this, you like you say there's this game within a game, but now I kind of appreciate that. Now I kind of like enjoy it as as the psychological layer of football. Yeah, I guess so. But I, I, I would be more in favor of it if they all admitted that's what's going on, as opposed to like really with a straight face being like, no, very dangerous. Hmm. <laughs> wow very dangerous guys and it's like well but then the, the commentators don't the commentators don't pretend the commentators yeah. go, oh come on at one point they actually one actually went oh come on like <laughs> <laughs> which is quite good but then i think that's what i just re- really I, enjoyed yeah go on i kind of dislike that as well because that's also dishonest because they're going oh come on as if it's not an incredibly key part of the game they should be going ha good on you what a cheeky little idiot <laughs> that's more honest <laughs> you know right yeah very funny throughout the whole match, Ali McCoist only ever referred to Lionel Messi as the Wee Man. Did you hear that? <laughs> no, what? He said, ah, brilliant stuff from the Wee Fella there. Is the he, whole way through. He only he, ever referred to him as the Wee Fella. Is he Wee? I think he's 5'6", five, 5'7", five, I think. Really? Lionel Messi. He is really short, yeah. Lionel Messi? His, yeah, his nickname is The Little Genius. That's a terrible nickname. You don't want that. <laughs> you don't want you don't want to be late for dinner and someone goes, "Will the little genius be joining us?" 
(laughs) 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 Fucking hell, that's an awful nickname. Five foot seven, apparently. Five foot seven. Gosh, yeah. yeah. He's small, but it's also why he's called the little... Is it Little Maradona or the new Maradona? Um, Because Maradona was small too. Let's see. Little wee... The wee men. They're they're both these very short, very stable men. Very hard to push over because the center of gravity is so low. Oh, that makes sense. Yes. Little... Little... uh, Like those... 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 those, um, Those wibbly-wobbly things where you punch them and they just come back up again. Mm, mm, mm. Oh. Wow. Okay. I've just clicked on. I'm in. A, I'm already in a wiki hole. Thanks to Messi. He he used to play for a sports club called Club Atlético Newell's Old Boys. Newell's Old Boys. Yes, it was founded in 1903 and is named after Isaac Newell from Kent, one of the pioneers of Argentine football. No way. That's so weird. Old boys, actually calling them old boys. Newell's well. old boys. <laughs> Muy bueno. <laughs> Gosh, incredible. Man, oh man. That's I mean, the... weird, man. Also, the British Empire is so expansive. Even in the places you don't associate with it, oh, it turns out there's this whole British legacy. Yeah, just sending, small ele- sending people around the world to start football clubs for the boys. <laughs> the old boys. The old boys. This got to the point where you could go to the top of the most remote monastery in Tibet, and there'd be someone there called like William Cartwright's f- fucking uh, butterfly collection club. And you go, what? Really? really? <laughs> even here? And they go, yeah, even here. Uh, so, what do you think, Pierre? Has Qatar's sports washing campaign worked? Um, I think it's made it harder for us to criticize anything they do, and that's that's pretty good, isn't it, for them? Do you think? Because any time anyone from any of the competing countries says, um, could you kill fewer slaves, please? They'll just go, you weren't saying that when you were drinking martinis in the, in the, in the guest box, and we'll all have to go, no. <laughs> but have, have, has the West made enough of a noise during and before the World Cup to say, no, we condemned it then and we condemn it now. No, because they haven't done it officially in any serious way because that would have endangered the tournament. So they've, they, I think Qatar's, Qatar's played a blinder here, to be fair, at the end of the day. <laughs> oh, it's brilliant play from Qatar. <laughs> they, <laughs> Qatar, Qatar um, forced a nil-nil draw uh, in in like a way or whatever where it gets you more points than as many points as if you won at home whatever however that fucking thing works yeah in leagues i think they so they haven't like nailed it but they've definitely won out of it they've definitely done well because yeah they've just completely tied everyone in to their to their bullshit mm, yeah you're not that we you're, not you're not that we had now. any fucking ability to stop them from really doing anything before anyway, apart from just stopping buying oil. Oh, God. Microphone fell over. Stopping buying oil and gas from them, which we won't do because we don't want to buy it from Russia. So they, they've smashed it. Unless, Pierre, and this is very pertinent news for the pro-nuclear podcast, <gasps> um, the, have you seen the nuclear fusion breakthroughs in the last week? I oh, have. One big breakthrough. Yet yet more breakthroughs. Really good stuff. Yes. Um... Also, I got a message from a pod bud, Pierre, who works in nuclear fusion research. No. 
and um and has invited us to come and have a look oh yes please oh my god yeah. we could touch we could touch the plasma Yes, put our fingers in it, get superpowers. Um, but yes, yeah, very exciting. For the first time, in case you don't know, for the first time, the nuclear fusion, uh, I don't know, process has released more energy than it has required to get going. Not to About, get going. Not very much. Sorry? Well, because they had to put loads of energy into the lasers. Yeah, the lasers. So yeah, you, you you get nuclear fusion to fuse by just pointing like hundreds of lasers at this small pellet of, is it what is it tritium or something? I don't know. And and for the first time, the amount of energy that's come out afterwards has been more than the amount of energy they use on the lasers, enough to boil a kettle apparently. Something like that. Although I think like the amount of energy that the whole experiment required was still like more than they got out. Um, really? Yeah, well, just because of the amount of energy it takes to make the lasers happen. Uh-huh, or something. Yeah, so like, there's yeah. some step to it where we're still... It's that joke about fusion but I guess where, when you scale up. Yeah. Once you scale up, we're, then, yeah. we're always 30 years away, ha-ha. There's the, there's the old joke about fusion. Um, but the commentators I've heard are saying, like, maybe even 10, 20 years from now. Well, hopefully. I mean, it would be fucking sick. Be you, sick. Could, you could just do anything you want. It would, ch- it would change everything. Yeah, it would just change everything. It'd be extraordinary. Um, but I mean, yeah, but then, you know, for the, the, the plants to come on board would actually take a long time, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, and it'll yeah. be like the, running the first, like, coal-fired plant. It'd be like the least efficient, clunky fucking... Yeah. Yeah. But it's good news anyway. It's good stuff. It's good news. It's good news, actually. We need we we need to go on this fusion field trip. Yes. The oh boys go to to Fusionville. Yeah. The boys turn we can finally become Dr. Manhattan. Yes, 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 yes. We reference all the time on here. Pierre and Phil were ordinary podcasting young men until they were bitten by a radioactive yeah, we get these amazing powers. Nuclear podcasters. Yeah. Great, sick. <laughs> um, um, speaking of podcasters, in this sense, the podcast listeners, we should read some correspondence. Christmas correspondence. Who's the last Come on, one? it's lovely weather to send me a story about poo. Correspondence. Uh Tom gets in touch. Tom Uh oh, they've been oh, yeah, I've gone through a lot of Tom rhymes. Yeah. Hot, um got you're the Don, Tom. Don. Yeah. Mm. Um, the title of the email is My Big Fat Uncle. <laughs> My Big Fat Okay, great. Yeah. Uh, that's funny. My Big Fat Uncle. Me and my Big Fat Uncle. <laughs> so he says, Dearest Pooh Pants and Pierre. So you're Pooh Pants. <laughs> Um, he says, I recently listened to episode 140 and heard Roboto Man Joe's story about a skydiver surviving after landing on a fire ant nest. Oh, yeah. Gosh, I remember that. 
Um, and he says, and it reminded me of a story about my big fat uncle. <laughs> I hope, is he capitalizing big fat and uncle? Uh, in the subject line he is, but to be fair, not in the, not in the prose. Okay, okay. Yeah, I wish he was, though. Uh, Tom continues, my uncle was a big fat boy when I was younger. Yeah. He says, by way of explanation. Yeah. One day, at his job on a construction site, he had to climb up a long, tall ladder. And essentially, he slipped and fell. Oof. Oh, no. Big fat fall. He fell onto the roof of the building that was under the ladder on his back, and he smashed through it. Wow. Yeah. Presumably leaving a big round hole behind him, he says. Yeah, like a Bugs Bunny or something. Yeah. He then fell some more and landed on his back on the ground. <laughs> I like explaining going through a roof as then falling some more. Yeah. Well, he <laughs> fell and then he fell some more. <laughs> he put a hole in the ceiling and then he fell some more. Yeah. His body was, in a, fi- a pure physics sense, briefly halted, but it still contained enough uh, momentum as a, as, as a sort of piece of mass that then it fell some more. <laughs> it didn't. He didn't stop falling once he pushed. Uh, once he went through the ceiling, he fell some more. He fell some more. <coughs> um, Tom says, "I don't know how high up he was, but he was high enough to gain the velocity needed to smash through a roof and then fall from a roof. So it must have been fairly high." Mm. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, he fell on his back and he broke one capitalized one vertebrae and survived. If it's one, is it a vertebrae? Bra? It's a vertebra. A, vertebra- a, a vertebronus. Vertebron. It's a vertebron, I think. Vertebron. He, bro- he broke a single vertebron and survived. Oof. The doctor at the hospital later told him the shock of the fall was absorbed by his big old mass, and that had he not been so large, he would definitely have died. But if he had been less large, he would have... Oh no, his velocity would have been the same, but his momentum would have been less. Mm. Um... Because momentum is mass times velocity, and velocity is the same no matter how big your mass is. Because gravity, you know, the acceleration is the same. But his momentum would so he the impact would have been less if he'd been smaller. So I don't think that's necessarily true. If he was lighter, he would have hit it with less energy. That's true, but I guess it depends on if he was lighter around the around the back fat area. What you don't um, want is well, to remove the key kilograms of fat around the back. But there's no there's no fat directly over the spine, is there? Even a very fat person, the fat builds around the spine. I but don't know. I, guess there's I don't know. There's still some cushioning, isn't there? When when um, someone's really fat, there's fat over that spine, baby. That's true. That's true. Um, cut to fifteen years later, and he's just lost a thumb to diabetes. Bloody hell! <laughs> so big being fat a big... uncle. <laughs> yeah, so oh, Tom's... big fat uncle. <laughs> So Tom says, so being a big boy isn't all sunshine and roses. Okay, thank you, Tom. No, gosh, okay, that's the end of the story. (laughs) (laughs) Right, fair enough. Man, I didn't know you could lose a thumb to diabetes. I thought diabetes was more of a foot thing. I guess it's just extremities, isn't it? Extremities, yeah, yeah. But yeah, thumb is rare. I've never heard of thumb before. Sweet thumb. He's got a case of sweet thumb. Yeah, got a bit of the old sweet thumb there. Yeah. I mean, um, in, um, in Malay, diabetes, I may have told you this before, diabetes is... Um, eh? Ka, oh. eh? Sorry, Ka, so someone else was trying to call, yeah. 
Oh, really? Yeah. Gunching Manis, um, which literally means sweet piss. <laughs> I remember that. That's yeah. Malay for um, sweet Malay piss. For could, you, could you say it as a swear word? <laughs> no. Ah. There's 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 no like there's no such thing there, there isn't this sort of sweet um precursor in in Malay e- exasperations. Um, um Okay, so you piss. can't I guess cuz the sweet thing comes from religious language in in English. Oh, is it? Yeah, well, sweet cr- sweet Jesus, you know, cuz he's sweet and but, kind. Sweet Mary. Is it? Is it? Oh, right. Um, so that makes sense that it wouldn't have it. Um, sweet piss. Yeah, that's good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have an email. By the way, these emails are for Christmas time, but a year ago. So they're really appropriate. But don't think we're don't think we're up to date, listeners, because we're not. <laughs> um, it's from our old friend Dev. Dev. Um, grab a bev this mm. Christmas. Uh, drink a bev. S- drink a bev. Subject line: Wangan's Den. Oh, okay. Mm. Is this is is Dev about to pitch a business idea to me? Kind of. He sa- so he says, "Hey, P and Poo. Um, the other day I spotted Phil at a train station. Ah, yeah. so a year ago, Dev you saw are, me at a train station. Yeah." I would have gone over to say Koji or say something about fucking a dog, but he seemed to be enjoying himself <laughs> with a lady friend, and I thought it would be rude to disturb. Ah, thank you, thank you. Yeah. He makes it sound like you were shagging someone on the platform. <laughs> what do you say? Having fun with a lady friend? What enjoying himself with a lady friend. <laughs> enjoying himself. <laughs> sounds very much like I'm wanking on a train platform, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Would, yeah he's it, enjoying himself. It would be rude to interrupt by saying, I fucked a dog to this man's face. <laughs> um, he says, and also to spare Phil the potential embarrassment of explaining the dog thing. Yes, that's that's fair. Good caution. The next day, I saw Dragon's Den host Evan Davis walking his dog next to the same train station, a whippet in a rather fetching jumper. Oh. Mm. He would have a whippet in a jumper. Yeah. So he says, my question is, which Bud Pod thing do you think would be the biggest success on Dragon's Den? Lucky Kentucky, oh. raw chicken boxing gloves, a bag to carry shit around, or something else? That's a good, that's a very good question. Yeah. Well, we've come up with good um, movie ideas yes. on this, but you wouldn't pitch that on Dragon's Den. Yeah, which is strange, um, actually, because they could invest in films, couldn't they? I guess so, although it might be too expensive. But yeah, in films that's true. Are, uh, anyway, but we know. Well, I mean, a while ago we came up with. Um, remember the 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 tit dip vodka or like yes. alcohol, which has had like boobs in them. Yes, and all the tits are in a sluice. Yeah, and the um, vodka just is, is ch- channeled through them. Um, and I think if you could if you come up could come up with like a range of celebrity um, tit and dick dipped liqueurs. Yeah. I think they would find, and they would be expensive, of course. But I think they would find a captive audience. Yes, like um, some 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 Quantro that's been poured over um, Tom Cruise's buttocks. Yeah, something like that. I I think that would that would be a good one to pitch to the dragons. Um, yeah. Celebrity body booze. 
Mm. Um, celebrity body booze. Body yeah. Booze. What would? What else would you call it? You could call it celebrity juice. That'd be <gasps> quite fun. Yes, 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 yes. Get Keith Lemon celebrity involved. Celebrity juice. Yeah. Uh, oh, you could call it sluice, like spelt like sluice, but you pronounce it juice. Sluice or oh, sluice juice. Yeah, sluice juice. Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, yeah, we got we got John Travolta to lie down in a sluice and have all this um, creme de menthe poured over him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's basically cameo, isn't it? I think cele- celebs who have agreed to do cameo, they they do sluice juice because it yeah. doesn't take up that much of their time, really. No, and they'll get a lot of money for it. Newcastle brown ale that's gone over Nigel Farage's foot. <laughs> <laughs> it, it it wasn't brown when it, when when we poured it on him, but brown ale. <laughs> It comes with one of his cameos. Drink a pint of freedom beer. It's had my foot in it. With his big Muppet mouth. He's got a very Muppety mouth. He does have a Muppety mouth. There's a flappy Muppetiness to it. Unnerving, flappy mouth. Mm. Freedom flap. That's what he calls it. His own mouth. It's to to blow all those dog whistles out of Pierre. (laughs) Very nice. Thank you. <laughs> um, Dev says, yeah, wishing you both a, a merry shitmas and a crappy poo smear, Coach. <laughs> it's good stuff. It's the most wonderful time of the smear. Yeah. And um, do we have a message from David? David. Um, uh, David craved some turkey and sprouts. Ooh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I crave it. I crave it. Some turkey and I'm trying to make it Christmassy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So this is actually strange as well because this is is, re- is relevant even a year later. It's quite spooky. Dear Phil Wankel Engine and the Phantom Pier. Phantom Pier. Yeah. Wanklen. I don't I don't Wanklengen. I don't get it. Wankle engine. No, oh, I'll have and to figure Phantom that out. Pier. Um uh, David says, I've recently become an avid listener and I'm working my way through your back catalogue. Doctors do not recommend. Um, <laughs> love Love your work, praise redacted. He uh, David says, Am I your only Luxembourg listener? Oh, well, I was in Luxembourg recently. Maybe it was maybe yeah. it was David who kojied. Oh shit! It could have been, couldn't it? Because someone kojied kojied me at when I, at the end of my set. Maybe it was David. Oh, he says, "Are there other castle dwellers in your legion?" Well, maybe, maybe, maybe. Um, mm. And then David starts the next paragraph by saying, "Now to the meat." <laughs> <laughs> now that's to very the, funny. That, I like that. Yeah, that's that's when I say when dinner's ready to bringing people in from the. From the lounge. That's that's now, what I say. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I say when I'm about to um, have sex. <laughs> well, as I go to the loo. <laughs> now to the meat. <laughs> now to the meat. Call it literal confirmation bias. I don't know, but imagine my surprise when given a sandwich on a KLM flight, um, listening to the pod. The flight was to Russia, but that's no longer allowed, David. Oh, it probably is allowed, but still. Yeah, it does date it. 
So he's given a sandwich on this on this Dutch flight, right? Mm-hmm. So he says, given that the Dutch speak impeccable English, I can only assume they made some tiny grammar mistakes. So uh, we're going to open the image now, Phil. Hang on, let's have a look. And this is on the sandwich packaging, is it? Yeah, so this is on the packaging. So I'm just going to read it, Phil, and, and see if you can tell the tiny grammar mistakes. That, um, like if I'll notice them? Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so it's written in, in cursive, which might be the source of the errors. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll admit that. The cursive really doesn't help. Okay. Handcrafted sandwich. Bother. Huh? Yeah, go on. I don't know why people bother with cursive. Yeah, it's very um, strange. Okay. It's very strange. Handcrafted sandwich, vegetarian selection. Homemade sandwiches are a typical Dutch tradition. I think that's a bit of a joke, isn't it? <laughs> sandwiches? Ooh, where are we, Amsterdam? <laughs> Ooh, homemade sandwiches as opposed to a robot in space making them. Man, the, the Dutch are really stretching to have a cuisine, fuck's sake. They just don't, yeah. They're so, I mean, the food is literally named after an English earl. <laughs> I don't think it's Dutch. Yeah. Homemade sandwiches are a typical Dutch tradition. Jaking one with you to wank on on a trip. What? Jaking one with you to wank what? on on a trip ensures you always have a tasty snack to hand. <laughs> <laughs> Jaking one with you to wank on. <laughs> yes. And yes. Is that, the, is that the grammatical error? I have a feeling if I'm meant to spot the, the grammatical error, is that it? <laughs> J- yeah so well so david is being tongue-in-cheek and says um given that the dutch speak impeccable english uh, i can only assume they made some tiny grammar mistakes i believe it should read jaking one with you to wank on on a trip <laughs> he says i can't stop reading it and i assume it's an onanistic cry from help, cry for help from the writer keep jaking one with you and wank on on a trip david so <laughs> what's you, happened david. phil is that yeah. the cursive has meant that they've mistaken I think it is mistyped, though, because the capital T is correct in some other places. So it should be taking one uh, with you to work or on a trip. Oh, okay, okay. But the cursive uh, J and T and N and R are so similar that it does just say, jaking one with you to wank on on a trip. <laughs> I do like to take a traditional Dutch sandwich with me just to wank on. The bread soaks up all that all that jizz there, and uh, yeah, it's, it's nothing better to wank on on a trip. There's nothing more Dutch than jaking a sandwich with you to wank on on a trip. <laughs> <laughs> Traditional Dutch snack of sandwiches. God, yeah. Well, that's all the time we've we've jaken up enough of your time, listeners. It's time to 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 wank. I mean, on we over could wank the... on and on, but we must um, <laughs> we must jake off. We must go to the VIP area to jake off. Yeah. Um, we we now we we might you might not hear from us until 2023 because we're taking a New Year's break. Yeah, we're taking a Chris Tingle um, mingle break, and we're off to our our respective islands. Mm. Um, but we'll see you in the new year. If you're a Patreon, you will of course have uh, the, this Friday's bonus pod to listen to. Yep. And a correspondent special coming up. Yes. Um but if you're not a Patreon, become one. Maybe get someone a Patreon me- membership for Christmas. The perfect uh, Christmas gift. 
and we'll see you in the new year. Have a lovely Christmas time with the family, eating and drinking or not. And a good new year to you and yours. Good new year. Good new year. Bye. Merry Christmas. Bye.